we're talking about the different clubs and there's certain clubs in the United States that aren't necessarily well known that a lot of comics work their stuff out. And one of them is a comedy attic in Bloomington, Indiana. So if you look at the comedy attic, who, who goes there? Mark Marin always does his stuff cool. there first. Uh, yes. Stuart Huff always does his stuff there. I think Mulaney, um, I think Mulaney has done that room quite a few times. And I talk to comedians who either are from Indy or they're from Bloomington, that area, that get to do that room a lot. And they say that that room just fosters artistry. And and mm. it's 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 a true comedy room. You know you know how you go to listening rooms for for music and stuff like that. Yeah. It's a true comedy incubator. And and that's that's funny because that's how I felt in Muscle Shoals Studio. It's just like cool. it, the music was there. Today on the show, we are joined with comedian and founder, creator of the Behind the Bits podcast, Scott Curtis. Scott's got such an incredible podcasting journey, and it was so cool to pick his brain about it and what makes him so passionate about the comedy scene. We talk about so many things from the art of stand-up and podcast production. I absolutely love this one, and we go so deep as the conversation goes on from community building, from like different vibes in different rooms, from the trials and tribulations of producing an ongoing podcast. You're going to hear about some of the things I go through and never tell you, <laughs> but uh, it was cool to interview a fellow podcaster, which we rarely do on the show. It's like right when we started, I felt like we had this, this connection, like we're part of the same gang, you know? And this was just an overall really fun and introspective episode. Right when it was over, it made me want to even work harder on this shit. You know what I'm saying? And I hope we can pass those vibes off to you for whatever you're doing in life. Whatever your passion is. And let us know after listening to this episode if you feel that way. And also give the Behind the Bits podcast a follow if you're into all things that are comedy. Such a dope platform that Scott made, and we're gonna get into that story right now. We're here, and it's it's cool to meet you, man. And uh, yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I checked out the podcast. It's it's super interesting and, and just totally awesome. And uh, I kind of want to know like what inspired you to fully jump into a comedy podcast. Well, it's kind of a long story. I was uh, always a comedy fan, and I. Uh, Really, I, I dug some of the uh, old ones like uh, Tom Dreesen, uh, Jeff Altman, who I just interviewed for the podcast. It's not out yet. And uh, Steve Martin, Dave Letterman, those guys. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. I always watch comedy. I was like the class clown in school. Mm -hmm. And I just ended up being a regular guy, got married, had kids and didn't didn't ever pursue anything comedy wise. And then at age 52, I, um, the place I worked, I had been there for like, I don't know, 14, 15 years at that point said, uh, that they wanted me to entertain the, uh, Christmas party, wanted me to do <laughs> comedy. So I got up and I did it and roasted everybody. And that was, that was, fine you know <laughs> that's and, awesome uh, but then i got kind of bit because I, I actually wrote a couple jokes for it and uh so i went to a couple open mics and started doing comedy kind of on the regular and produced a few shows and then i started the podcast it's been gosh it's been a, about a year and a half ago and i started that mainly because first off i see a lot of people older some gray hairs getting into comedy and second off, I had listened to a lot of comedy podcasts while I started, when I started doing this and I didn't, none of them were perfect to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a lot, sometimes there was a lot of small talk. There was a lot of inside jokes and stuff like that. I wanted to get right down to the nitty gritty and talk about comedy. So I said, let's do it. And uh, I, I put some planning into it and made it happen. That's awesome. And you're 85 episodes deep. I got to congratulate you on that because keeping a podcast running is a lot of work. And I get a lot oh, of yeah. people who hit me up asking for advice doing it. And uh, I noticed 
the majority, maybe they'll do two or three episodes and then I um, never see this podcast again. Yeah. So every time I see somebody get past like the 20 benchmark, I'm like, yeah, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're like, yeah. you know, the thick and the weeds and everything. But uh, how's that experience been like since it was like the inception of the idea to now fully doing it like eight, over 80 episodes in? Yeah, I really, I really put a lot of thought into this, which is something I don't normally do. I, <laughs> I'm, mm -hmm. I'm kind of ADD and I just kind of like to jump into stuff and not really plan a whole lot. So I actually planned for several months before I started it to, because I wanted to be serious about it and I wanted to do it right. And the, the catalyst uh, that really got my motor running was the fact that I got Tom Dreesen, my, my first comic, the, the guy that I used to watch on the Mike Douglas show and Johnny Carson and Letterman and all that. I got him to be my first guest. And, oh, amazing. And, and, you know, I, if you listen to that interview, I am just like stupid. I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't know what to say. didn't know what to do. You know, I threw a few softballs at Tom and just let him talk. So that, that was good. The nice thing was about that episode was that he had just been on uh, Mark Maron's podcast, WTF, Mm -hmm. just a few weeks before I did that interview. And I got him to say stuff that he didn't say on Marin's podcast. That's what I was going for. So nice. he's kind of got a line. He's kind of got uh, a shtick that he does for interviews and stuff like that. And I was able to get him out of that. And, uh, you know, from there I started, you know, I just started hitting up people I knew, uh, from comedy. And also I just put myself out there and asked, you know, people I, I never thought I'd get. And I don't feel like, you know, when I go back to my interviews, I think I've probably gotten to be a little bit better of an interviewer. Um, and I am trying not to say um so much, but damn, it's hard. It's all good. Um, my word is like, like, like when uh -huh, I'm thinking, that's yeah. my thinking word. So yours is um, <laughs> yeah. and then I'll listen back and I'll just be like, oh shit, I say that way too much. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, what, it, you know, what it's morphed into is not only is it a podcast, but I have made friends and I've also made connections. I've, I've been able mm -hmm. to say, hey, you look like it would, you'd be a perfect fit for this club in this area. Oh, you're moving to New York. I know these people, maybe they can get you going. And I've made connections. And the funny thing is, is I see them interacting like on social media and stuff like that. And I know that I made that. And yeah. th that's really what I'm most proud of is the fact that I've been able to be like a old matchmaker or something like that, but, but not, not, not for uh, sex or marriage, more, more for uh, <laughs> professional stuff. And that, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, that, that's really, that's my biggest takeaway from it. Yeah. I, I get a similar type of, uh, I don't know, um, just joy out of things like that too, with uh, doing my series as well. So I, I totally understand. And it's almost, it, it felt like when I started the podcast, it was going to be set kind of like a little selfish promotion thing but then it turned into where I fell more in love with telling all these unknown stories and mm. and then like you mentioned like people start connecting in it from the power of like telling these stories uh it builds a community around it too and it sounds like you're seeing that definitely yeah it's it's really really nice and it's it's funny, you know, I notice, I, I notice things like your, the, the artwork for your podcast and the artwork for my podcast. So many podcasts have the picture of the host on there. And, mm -hmm. and, and you know, that that podcast is about them, even if they interview people, they're going to make it about them. Yeah, and I yeah. was very, I was very purposeful in not putting my picture anywhere in any, any of the stuff, because it's not me, it's them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always look and, you know, if I've, if, if I've talked more than like 25% of the time in an interview, then I know that I didn't do it right. And yeah. so, yeah, it's nice to see those little bars, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, Yeah. And I feel the same way. And maybe at the beginning, it's, uh, I felt like with the podcast I was consuming, I thought. I had to talk a lot about it. So even when people like uh, go back and want to check out my podcast, I'm like, oh, don't listen till like episode 50. Cause that's when I don't know after time. Uh, and as you know, from doing it so long, you just, 
because you grow that interviewer like muscle memory in a way where yeah you just and like you mentioned i thought you uh, it was super cool how you mentioned your first episode you made sure you kind of set up where your guest was doing all the talking and yeah. also what was great like you listened to them on another show like such as mark Marin, and was consciously thinking i'm gonna get something into this interview that we haven't heard before because uh yeah that, mm -hmm. I, and I, I just think that's an awesome approach yeah yeah and i've i've really enjoyed the the people i've met even you know it, I really connect with some of them and some of them I do the interview and then never really think about them again. And yeah. I'm sure you're the same way. It's just, it, it's, it's funny how it's just like in life, you know, that's, that's the way it is, but you know, I enjoy seeing them. A few of them have uh, really done well since we talked last year and some of them are probably getting ready to blow up and and i talked to him way back when so yeah I think that's, that's the coolest yeah yeah and, and i i think that's super cool you know the i i also did kind of a companion piece because i i like to be wacky and nutty uh and i did a companion piece called the btb internet talk show which was nothing like my podcast it was it was a video thing and i'd have anywhere between three and five guests on and Dean Martin would show up and, <laughs> and I had a whole story behind it. And it was really cool. kind of improv. -y. I would, I would tell them, Hey, I'm going to ask you these two questions and you can formulate an answer if you want, or just do it on the spot. And then we do that. We'd give them a chance to either do five minutes of comedy or a rant or whatever they want to do. And, uh, then Dean Martin would show up and then, uh, all hell would break loose. So that was that was a lot of fun. And a lot of the connections I made was through that because I'd have my podcast guests on this and get them all together. And it just made it made the connection. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's that sounds like a lot of fun, especially just being loose and riffing and like, you're you're building something with people, but also like, just knowing it's going to be super silly and it can go in any direction. That's, that's totally awesome. And I, that's one thing uh, I've, uh, I've tried stand up a few times as well. And uh, I've never done the improv thing. And I think I'm just way too frightened to like, I don't know the, it's almost the fear of the unknown, you know, type yeah. of thing. Yeah. 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 And I'm, it's funny, I'm from Northern Indiana and one of my good friends there would put on shows that, were a mix of improv and stand-up so he'd have two or three stand-ups and then he'd have a couple improv troops that would come in and and do things you know it would be like you know 10-15 minutes each way and he always was trying to get me to join in on the improv stuff and i just i was just like i don't know what the hell to do so yeah i don't know i don't even know what to do my, with my hands so just 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 dance around me do whatever the hell you want and i will just stand here and sweat and uh but when i did the show i started understanding what all this yes and shit is and and all that kind of stuff and i was able to you know, be a little bit more in the moment. And that did help me with my standup too, because I used to, I used to be really particular about my set. I'm, I'm going to do the, these four bits and it's going to last this long. And I'm going to say these exact words. And after I started getting to that a little bit more, I was just like, okay, I'm going to go up with a couple premises and see what happens. And that's really it's, cool. It, it's been, it's been really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool to hear like kind of like your evolution, even like uh, beside the podcast and in your comedy world as well, too. And uh, I think you mentioned to me in a message you're from Alabama, right? Yeah, I'm actually so I've only been in Alabama for how long have we been here? I think six months. And I the last 50 most of the last uh, 56, 57 years were actually in Indiana, Northern Indiana. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so this, my son lives down here. So we, we wanted to be by one kid and the other one lives in DC and I don't want to, I, I don't even want to try that. So yeah. we, we came down here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And is there much of a comedy scene in Alabama as well? Yeah. It looks like there is. So I've been to a few, they, they, 
I mean, you can do open mic Sunday through Wednesday, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's not it's not L.A., it's not New York, uh, it's not Toronto, but it's uh, you know it's it's not bad for a pretty small market. And I met some pretty cool people. I did a show a couple weekends ago and uh, totally pretty much sucked at it because I hadn't been on stage for so long, <laughs> but you know, it, it is what it is. And, uh, but it looks like it's, it's at least as big as the Northern Indiana scene I came from and they had Chicago to work off of too. Yeah. That's really cool. And it, it seems like you're just a very creative guy. Like you mentioned with uh, how you did like that little spinoff with your show and stuff. Would you ever think of like uh, kind of bringing a, a live type of performance with like, maybe some of your own comedic ideas. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a lot of work, but <laughs> it is. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, at this point in my life, I'm up for just about anything. So if, if anybody said, Hey, you want to, you want to do this play, you want to do death of a salesman or something like that? I would say, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, I noticed like on my podcasting journey, uh, just through all the time and like listening back to while you're editing and stuff, I felt like I've learned a lot and grew within myself too. Uh, is there any like key things that, uh, I don't know, maybe popped off as you're going back and listening to like older episodes that you didn't know you did or like seen any, uh, input or like a uh, specific growth, uh, throughout the journey? Yeah, and it kind of bled into my life too, because you can, I mean, you can tell on a podcast when somebody is asking a list of questions. And in some of my episodes, I had a list of questions. And that means if you got that list of questions, you are basically listening for the person to stop talking and you ask the next question. You don't really do any active listening. And so I, and I noticed that, you know, when you, you're pretty critical of yourself when you listen back to your episode. And I noticed that and I said, okay, well, I'm going to put a few bullet points up and I'm going to really lean into this listening thing and make sure that I know what this person is passionate about. This is, this is the part of comedy they really want to talk about. They want to talk about the writing. They want to talk about venues. They want to talk about the business side. You can really, you, if you active listen, then you, you get those cues and then lean into that. And then I got better at it. But the funny thing about that is, is, and you know this because you've been podcasting is you sometimes get out of that. And it, because you want, you, you didn't do enough research. So you want to, you want, you have to be more regimented or something like that. And yeah. so you can, you can blow out of it and blow back in, blow back into it if you recognize it. But, and, and how that sp spun into my life is I became a better listener. And, yeah. you know, when I talk to people, I don't, talk as much I listen more and it, it's it's really helped yeah that's really cool you're probably like unconsciously while you're in a conversation uh after they say something ask a follow-up question that leads them to talking even more and yeah I, I noticed that's been happening with me like unconsciously too just because uh this is what how many hours we spent doing this style of conversation yeah yeah I had uh Larry Hankin on uh he was a two-parter because we talked for three hours oh, amazing a and we talked for like a half hour after we were done recording and he's like how long we've we been talking and <laughs> I said yeah. a long time. It probably, like, it probably felt like 15 minutes, you know, when yeah. you click with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was really, it was really cool. And, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of great knowledge out of it and Larry's a really cool guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you happen to have like a favorite episode or a favorite guest? I know your first one was very special for, to you, but, uh, yeah, anything else? Yeah. Dreesen will always be my favorite. I, I got to talk to a newer sensation, Corey Ryan Forrester. He's um, he blew up really during the pandemic because of all the videos he did, the buttercream dream and stuff like that. And I went through his, um, I think it was Twitter or Instagram or something like that. And I just sent him a message and I said, you know, I'm really tired of fucking around with pu publicists. Can you, uh, can you just do my podcast? So <laughs> nice. he said, 
he said, yeah, I can do it. And uh, his publicist uh, emails me then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, here's and, the times <laughs> yeah and and uh and gets gets everything scheduled but the nice thing about that was is he'd done quite a few podcasts during the pandemic but he just all he talked about was this these videos that he were doing and mm -hmm. he wanted to talk about stand-up and i let him talk about stand-up so we hit it off really well and that that's that's one of my favorites as far as recent times um ian bag was another one that was uh, a really good one and the funny thing is is michael palisak was right before him and both of those were two two comedians that i really enjoy and michael's from the indiana slash illinois area and ian is just a nut i've always loved his crowd work and stuff so both of them back to back was pretty cool too yeah that's so awesome and uh yeah i love hearing that uh throughout your journey to uh you're getting to meet all these people that uh that you're practically like a fan of too and even on my podcast journey too it's uh it's crazy like the magic of just starting to do quality interviews for a certain type of scene or different kind of arts and then you mentioned publicists that I don't usually talk about like behind the scenes stuff on my show yeah but it's amazing when sometimes you get an email and it's like hey can you talk to this guy and it's like oh my god I'm a fan of this person you like yeah. yes like those are the <laughs> best days and I'm sure you've had a, a bunch of them from doing the comedy uh podcast yeah, I, I have had a few and probably like you, I've had quite a few approach me that are just nowhere near ready to be on the podcast or nothing, nothing that you would ever want to have on. I, yeah. I had a guy just this week email me and said, said that he used to be a comedy booker. And I like to talk to the business people too. But looking mm -hmm. at all the stuff he's done after after it he is like the most misogynistic dude i've ever seen and i'm like oh, fuck. I, I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give this guy space so yeah, yeah. I've, I've had a few come to me and i've and i've that i've really appreciated and i uh john Poveromo, his publicist uh came to me uh, about a year ago or so and uh he's one, one of the guys i really hit it off with and you know we still talk and and uh i would just really enjoy what he does and uh where was i going uh the publicist and stuff oh like yeah that. we were yeah. just kind of like talking about like making those connections that maybe uh like you wouldn't think you'd make like maybe when you started doing this and then it kind of is just growing to that and next thing you know they're asking you to to interview these people who you're fans of and stuff yeah. like that but but yeah also like you mentioned like uh it's cool to hear you're very selective of like i don't know um taking care of your brand you know not wanting mm -hmm. to put put on somebody who like you mentioned you did your research and noticed oh like this guy like hates women or something like that yeah. you, you don't want to promote that and yeah and yeah yeah I um and, and one of the other things about my podcast that, that I think is important I do want to talk to famous people we all want to talk to famous people but what the core of my podcast is people who are working as comedians you don't have to be famous you just have to be making at least part of your living doing it and your advice is probably going to be a little bit better than somebody who's been famous for a long time and doesn't even remember what the digging in the trenches is like that so mm -hmm. you know i i make a i make a point to make sure that i am getting comedians on that aren't necessarily famous but they are working at it and doing what needs to be done yeah that's great and that's that sounds like such an awesome platform and especially for you to see like oh this person's taking it seriously they're uh making this a part of my life i'm gonna give them this gift to share their story and mm -hmm. i think that's just awesome man yeah yeah and um i i would love to expand it to just uh to beyond comedy but I, I I can't I can't do that to my brand so I'm almost ready to start another podcast because oh, I, yeah <laughs> I I love music and I've listened to a few of your episodes I mean you had the creeping death dude on there and uh I was like oh yeah I oh uh, thank death. you yeah and, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and uh I I want to talk to more you know more people that are in different areas too but I don't know if I got it in me to start another one because this is a lot of work yeah, I, I interestingly, like I had a similar thing, uh, but um, I wasn't doing my own podcast, but I started off doing media for a bunch of websites and it was only music. 
and I had that scene in my brain or like that seed in my brain where I'm like, I need to just talk to everybody like arts yeah. and entertainment. And yeah, I don't know. I it's like you mentioned, it's like a lot of work and it's like to start over with something. But uh, again, like putting that one step in the shallow end and it's yeah. it eventually will snowball. But uh, yeah, but yeah, it's like I always say the first step is always like the hardest, you know, especially when you're like comfortable and it sounds like you just have this awesome brand with the comedy thing and like you're obviously busy you're at episode 85 too so it's yeah. almost i i'm sure it's like oh where i'm gonna find the time to do this other thing as well yeah yeah and i i i know people who do multiple podcasts but i i feel like in my case you know that would take up enough time that behind the bits wouldn't be as good so mm -hmm and one one of them would suffer or they'd both suffer so yeah i'll, I'll let somebody else do it i'll, I'll listen to your show <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> yeah thanks <laughs> let me know if there's anybody you want to talk to or yeah. want me to talk to i'll reach out you can vicariously like <laughs> yeah yeah i'll do the work for you scott <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's uh that's so cool and um yeah what was i gonna say oh yeah i, I want also wanted to ask like on your journey what what did you find like the most challenging thing um in in doing a podcast uh yeah i think the, all the the technical shit is really mm -hmm. what gets me you know and the editing and you know not knowing the your gain on your mic was so high when you recorded the you got fuzz and you don't know how to get rid of it and stuff like that so that's that's what i hate the most about it and mm -hmm. i'm almost to the point to hire an editor and just let them do it and I'm, yeah. I'm almost there because i that's that's the worst part so that that's a big hurdle i i didn't necessarily everybody worries about listenership and i i did i've never really worried about it and so it grew on its own and uh i won an award last year from uh discover pods and that kind of congratulations me. but uh, thank you and that all happened and then so my listenership exploded and now i've got like real sponsors talking to me so now i'm actually trying to promote myself again <laughs> yeah because i i just i was just letting it ride mm -hmm. and, yeah and uh and now i just want to make sure that they see steadily rising numbers so they know that they're spending their money right yeah yeah <laughs> but that's that's kind of beautiful like uh it really shows that you love what you're doing and you're about the content and everything because i've talked to some people they're like oh i'm gonna start a podcast and they haven't even done one episode yet and they're looking for sponsors and yeah. blah blah and it's like almost like um it's not about the content it's about like um they think it's like a quick uh, cash grab type yeah. thing and i feel like that only works if you already have a following or you're a celebrity or whatever but right. um i don't know i feel like uh, people see podcasts and think oh they're only talking i can do that and yeah. which you can but like you mentioned the technicality behind it is like such an eye opener and yeah. just hours beyond the conversation that go into it and even setting things up meeting new people and to keep the content going and stuff like yeah. that so people can do one or two but then it gets like i don't know i'm impressed after somebody does like 10 or 11 you know oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those first 10 or 11 are so hard because you want it to oh, be yeah. perfect and you're over editing and it's just mm. you know i i pretty much throw mine up the way they are now just because if i hear myself say um enough times then i will finally stop doing it that, i relate to that so yeah. much yeah uh, i uh i only pretty much do a cut if uh, a guest asks me hey i shouldn't have said that uh can you take that out i'm like yeah sure yeah. and then i'll i'll find the beginning I'll find the end, snip, snip, and I try my best in the middle. And I guess this is what kind of makes it a little bit of uh, connecting to stand up and improv. You're trying to like keep it flowing with the questions and yep. all that too. So that's yeah, something oh, yeah. maybe I just learned right now, like just talking to you. So. Yeah, yeah, it, and it's the technical part aside and trying to get listeners and all that kind of stuff. You know the the as you know one of the really hard things is to get those guests that you want and mm -hmm. 
and I've got a lot of people who want to do the show and we just can't connect. And, you know, I've got a few mm. that I've been, we've been playing tag for a year. Yeah. And, and so you want to make sure you're getting good guests for the show. So, I, and that's really, I, that's almost half the job is making sure that you've got enough stuff in the can that you can put an episode out when you want to. Mm, yeah that's very true and you're you're always like thinking ahead too and even like uh yeah after we're done this one i'm gonna be going down my rolodex and like so you know who can we get next and uh it's um part of that's like the fun and stress with it i don't know i kind of like um that social aspect of meeting a lot of new people here and there and almost the the strategic planning and everything yeah and it's a lot of it's like right time right place i worked in sales a lot and the old adage is is uh harder you work the luckier you get so mm-hmm. you got to work really hard to get these people and so- someday dave letterman is gonna have enough time to talk to me you know so yeah <laughs> have you ever had the the experience where uh you get a bigger guest and uh maybe like you're working your day job or whatever and you get this email and they can i had this once where it's like oh they can talk to you tomorrow and I'm just telling my boss, I'm like, I'm not in like, yeah, <laughs> like part of, but it, my part of my mind's like, oh, do I just pretend I'm sick or I'm going to tell them as they don't really know about the podcast. Like I used to live like more people like now, like in the past two years know about this podcast, but uh-huh. at the beginning I was almost like I was living a double life, like Batman at night doing these fucking interviews uh-huh. and working my day job. Yeah. <laughs> but then it started like overlapping in weird ways but have you ever had that where it's like you got an opportunity and it's like okay i need to stop everything i had in my plan planned my life the next day to just like take this moment because it might not never come again you know yeah it it actually just happened and i the episode's not even out yet it was jeff altman because i had uh emailed him and he said yeah let's do it and we had scheduled it and then something came up and he couldn't do it and then he was talking about because he's he works full-time as a magician now and he was going to magic conventions and stuff like that and he was cool enough to call me and say hey i'm home this friday do you want to do it friday and that was on thursday and yeah yeah and i it was like i I think he wanted to do it at like two in the afternoon or something like that and Mm -hmm. i pretty much work from home anyway so yeah right on yeah i said yeah i will mark myself away for an hour and talk to you so yeah that just happened yeah that's awesome it's almost like it's funny with the when it comes to like the bigger guests who don't have time it's almost like being on call like a firefighter it's like you don't know when it's gonna happen but yeah. if it happens it's just like sound the alarm i'm ready you know type yeah of moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i i mean obviously there's a few that no matter what if i if, if i had to drive home really quick and and get everything up i would make it happen yeah that's awesome and that just shows like your love for what you're doing right now and that it's really awesome to hear and uh also like on the other side of like beyond the podcasting your love for comedy too you mentioned uh you did like a little thing for work and it kind of got the bite of stand-up yeah uh, just was was it the 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 feeling of getting the laughs from people that kind of hit you or was it just i can do this type of epiphany or yeah it was it was almost like nostalgia because I hadn't really paid a whole bunch of attention to stand-up comedy, you know, while raising kids and stuff like that. And, you know, I, uh, I got up there and scared to death. I mean, I was, I'm, I do public speaking, you know, I, I did webinars and lunch and learns and shit like that all my life so i'm not afraid of public speaking what i was afraid of was not being funny Mm, and you know i got up there and actually got some laughs and did roasted all the right people and said all the right stuff and the the laughter and just appreciating what stand-up comedy is again both of those things like I, I wanted to do it and, and i'm just i i'm an attention whore so yeah. 
you know, whatever, whatever I can do to get that. And comedy is certainly one of those ways. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I want to know, it's like, okay, so you, you had that, you got the bug. You're like, I want to do this. What was the first step? Did you go to an open mic? Did you hear about something? Did you reach out to somebody? Yeah, there was a open mic at a coffee shop. And I think they did it on Tuesday, no, Monday nights. And I signed up for that. And I went and there were three comedians sitting at a four seat uh, table. And I just pulled the seat out and said, hi, I'm Scott. I'm doing the open mic. Are you guys doing? And they, they all looked at me like, what? I mean, two of them were much younger than me and one of them was my age, but uh, they, they were like, and, and cause comedians tend to be a little bit more standoffish and sit in the mm -hmm. corner when they're, when they're not performing. And so yeah. I introduced myself and all three of them are still friends of mine. And oh, um, amazing. And, and I did my set and it wasn't that great. I, it, it, it wasn't terrible. I, my wife would come with me to a lot of the open mics. And the only question I'd ask her at the end of it was, was I the worst? And <laughs> I was never the worst. And a couple of <laughs> times she said she thought I was the best. And, nice. and she's, and she's not, she, she's not, she doesn't bullshit. So I, <laughs> yeah when she's a good when she's, yeah she's not gonna do it just because i'm her husband but yeah so she uh she said you know you're getting pretty good at it so you know from there i you know i just kept writing and doing open mics and then i saw the chance to put on some shows because i had a friend that had a rock bar and wasn't doing anything thursday nights between eight and ten and so i scheduled a few shows there. It was uh, kind of a cool experience. Uh, not, not, I think the most people we got in for the show was, I think my biggest crowd was 35. That's, so, that's good. That's yeah, good. Not, yeah, not, not big crowds, but I was able to actually do a showcase where I got everybody who wanted to be on stage to uh, do 10 minutes and I instead instead of paying them I had a professional videographer video their 10 minutes so they'd have something to send to bookers oh and beautiful that was that was my gift to them and and that was the one where 35 people came so that, oh nice you know, so I got the laughter in there it's yeah so, so that one turned out pretty well yeah that's cool um yeah the handful of times I've done it too it's like I've done uh some small rooms with like 10 people to 15 and then i've done like a bigger room mm -hmm. but um it's funny like uh like the only time i've done like a big room there was like and big for me was close to like 50 people but there was such an open space like the mm -hmm. the laughter was didn't seem as like forceful yeah. Yeah. but I swear when I was doing this room with like 10 people, it felt like I was in an arena, like just yeah. getting blasted, like with yeah. the acoustics and stuff. So yeah, and some of those small shows are awesome. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and really the, the more intimate type of setting, and that's why real comedy clubs have a low ceiling mm -hmm. and they're, they're dark and they have the brick wall because of the comedy store. And that's, you know, that's, that's what they do. And that's the that's the best place for comedy now you can't always do that so if you're doing an eagles lodge or you're doing it at a rock bar like what you talked yeah, about some legion just, or something yeah you know, giant ceilings and they're not sitting too close to you that has an effect not only on how they uh perceive you but laughter is one of those things that catches so if they can't hear each other laugh then the laughs aren't going to be as big so yeah, true. And you just have to you just have to know that. It's funny. I one of one of my favorite episodes was with Todd Glass, and we actually talked about how to set up a comedy room more than we talked about anything else. So that's a really oh, good cool. episode if you want to know what a room should be like. Yeah, I'm just totally like interested in like just like nitty gritties of like all art forms and like things you don't usually hear. Like so yeah, that's really cool. And I'm definitely gonna check out that episode as well. Yeah. And that's some of the stuff I've learned from the podcast. So many comedians, you, I ask them about, you know, what's, what's a perfect venue like and things like that. So, and, and as far as 
writing and material and delivery, everybody's different. But when you talk about the perfect room, everybody's the same. And mm -hmm. they, yeah. they all agree that a comedy room is much better than a gymnasium or Joe's bar or whatever, you know, it's an actual comedy room is the best place for them to work out material. And that's where they feel most at home. Yeah, definitely. And I see like all these, uh, like the biggest ones they're doing, like the Madison Square Gardens and stuff like that. I can't even imagine what that would feel like and they usually yeah. have the stage in the center of the arena and there's people behind you or like, yeah. that's like i don't even know like it you know, yeah, and I, and the way they set up arenas is important too it's funny and i i mentioned this in one of my episodes i don't know if it's come out yet but i i saw a comedian in indianapolis that i like so much i'm not going to mention his name because uh i can't the second show wasn't as good as the, <laughs> as the <laughs> first but saw him in indianapolis sold out show um bigger room it was probably i, I want to say he probably had two or three thousand people and mm -hmm. so he it was one of those bigger auditorium type things and he just killed i mean i was i I just absolutely loved it. So he came to South Bend where I lived and doing the same show. And I told my wife, I really want to see it again. So we went to see it. South Bend was totally different. And the rest of the audience probably didn't know, but it wasn't sold out. And there was some sound system issues and stuff like that. And the energy was just not the same. He told all the same jokes and he told them all the same way, but the energy was not, not nearly as good as that one in Indy. Yeah. That's so interesting. I've seen that with bands too, playing big stages. And then uh, I saw that same band a year before in a shitty bar and it was yeah. like way better. Like, just like, whether it's just the people together and like the, again, like low ceiling, all that, yeah. there's so many different factors in that. Yeah. And they could and do this, the exact same thing, but it's just different, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And it was, uh, the funny thing is, it was a similar sized room, mm. but it, it was just different. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Funny, I guess you, people chemistry too in the audience as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You, you made me uh, have a squirrel because you were talking about music and, and making it in different sized rooms. We're, we're in Alabama, right by Muscle Shoals. Uh, and, the, the classic Muscle Shoals Studios is reopened for tours and stuff. And we did that tour and I just had no idea that the Rolling Stones uh, recorded Sticky Fingers there. Leonard oh, no Skinner's way. first album was done there. I think four of Bob Seger's albums were done there. Uh, who else? Um, oh, Steve Winwood. So they've got, you, you know, Legends. Park of High Heel Boys. Uh, oh, fuck, yeah. Okay, the piano, the Steve Winwood played that is sitting right there. Oh, man. Is, yeah. Do you feel Do you feel a certain energy in that building too? I did. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I did. It was, it was really, really weird. And, it, he, you know, he talked about the, the guys who ran that studio were called mm -hmm. the Swampers. And they actually on i think two of seeger's albums they played all the instruments and then uh on uh both of steve winwood's traffic albums they were the instrumentalists and he took them on tour and these these were not touring guys they were they were down home southern guys that just want to work in the studio and and uh if you watch any video you'll just see that they're just putting their heads down and playing but yeah. uh yeah it was really it was really cool to see what happened there and there really was an energy it was it yeah was really yeah neat. yeah yeah that's cool even like speaking of energies in the room and to kind of bring it back to comedy uh uh handful of years ago i went out to la i filmed for like this battle rap league they were doing uh -huh. a thing out there and uh i had like a day to myself and instead of like hanging out with the boys or whatever i'm like i'm just gonna explore la and i actually i went to the comedy store uh -huh. and same thing there was a like i'm almost like thinking about it i'm getting a little goose bumpy yeah. um there's there was just a vibe in there like in it was almost unexplainable when i've never felt that in anywhere i've seen like a or been in a comedy club or whatever and yeah. i always hear shit like whether you believe it or not it's like 
people say there's oh it's haunted and all this fucking yeah. crazy stuff happened <laughs> but it also just felt like i was like walking in there it felt like i was in a movie like it wasn't even reality yeah. and just like i can see why like some of the best kind of get bred out of there like from open micers to getting their name on the wall and next thing you know netflix specials hbo yeah. all that it just it just had that vibe that was so raw and real and like about it you know yeah it, and it's it's funny because uh, in in comedy there are we're talking about the different clubs and there's certain clubs in the United States that aren't necessarily well known that a lot of comics work their stuff out. And one of them is a comedy attic in Bloomington, Indiana. So if you look at the comedy attic, who, who goes there, Mark Marin always does his stuff cool. there first. Uh, yeah. Stuart Huff always does his stuff there. I think, um, oh, what, what's the, uh, Mulaney. I think Mulaney has, done that room quite a few times and i talked to comedians who either are from indy or they're from bloomington that area that get to do that room a lot and they say that that room just fosters artistry and and mm. it's 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 a true comedy room you know you know how you go to listening rooms for for music and stuff like that yeah. it's a true comedy incubator and and that's that's funny because that's how i felt in muscle shoal studio it's just like cool. it, the music was there yeah i like how you mentioned that too because uh lots of people like who listen to this show they they're into like all different art forms or maybe they haven't dove so deep into like the comedy world but mm -hmm. a lot of people will see the finished product the netflix special the hbo whatever it's it's on like the final version and they don't know that these guys are working out their act for like over a year like almost like a lot of like the big guys do it almost every day like in la or new york they're the comedy seller or all these like like the little yeah. club you mentioned in in indiana like just mm -hmm. trying shit out and uh yeah i even heard uh my friend like she saw a bill burr set like he wasn't supposed to be there he just kind of uh -huh. came in and she she didn't really know that part about like comedy she just thought people are always on and yeah he was like it just seemed like he was unprepared and just fucking around had like a couple points and it wasn't like what we expected well i'm like well first you didn't expect to see him and then yeah like they gotta practice somehow like you yeah. know like that's the that's a the craziest thing about the comedy art form is you don't know what's good until you're in front of an audience yeah like, oh yeah because like, like, yeah it's funny because you talk about the comedy store i've talked to a lot of folks that worked when richard pryor was doing the comedy store or yeah comedy store and he um he would go on and this is after you know he was relatively famous and he would go on and he would do an hour and they said it would suck it was just wow. there was not a laugh in the whole hour mm -hmm. and then he'd come back next week and he'd do it again and it'd be a little bit funnier a little mm -hmm. bit funnier a little yeah. bit funnier and then boom it's on hbo and yeah <laughs> but how much work went into it so he had mm -hmm. he had to write everything he had to practice it in short form and then he had to put it all together in an hour and then he had to keep doing it until it finally got funny yeah that's that's one thing i love about stand-up so much it's just like um and like people who do stand up is it takes almost so much humiliate uh humility to be oh, yeah. great it yeah. just getting up there and even after like maybe having a terrible night like to not quit it's like okay uh what did we learn from that it's like yeah. always every set's like a lesson and like yeah how can we shift this and then it, it takes time and re repetition to morph it into something and then even to go beyond there they'll have their act like memorized in their head and then next thing you know they get so excellent like where if somebody yells something out in the crowd they can they can like either like counter it or like turn yeah. it into their planned act. And yeah, oh, it's like, yeah. it's such a, <laughs> I just talking about it. It's like, I'm like, Oh, I love comedy so much. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's total artistry. And yeah. the, um, we were talking about the, uh, you know, sucking so bad and then, and then getting better. And one of the things that I, a lot of comedians agree on is the thing you have to do is not be too hard on yourself and mm -hmm. also not be too too easy on yourself so if you have a really great set that's fine you can pat yourself on the back 
one time, but know that that same set just may shit the bed the next oh, time yeah. you do it. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so facts. And I feel like the, the few or the little handful times I've done it, uh, it taught me a lot about your own personal energy and what you project is almost what you receive. Yeah. And you, you, yeah. you mentioned, uh, how doing the same set, it might work one day and not the other day. Yeah. And I remember I, I did one that crushed and I did it the next week and it was just like crickets. And then uh -huh. I was thinking about like, why didn't that work? I said the same things. And then I thought about my day and just like, I was all stressed. I was a little tired. I didn't even uh -huh. want to be there, you know? And I just yeah. went through the motions and people like know when you're just going through the motions and not yeah. totally into that. And right. Yeah. Again, it's another like little like tidbit of like comedy that you, you don't really like maybe see if you are only watching like the Netflix specials and stuff, but yeah. there's so much practice into getting excellent. <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah. Like, And it's weird because you, the nice, the really great comedians, you can tell that they have made their act in such a way that when you watch it, you think it's the first time they said it. Yeah. And, and they're in and, the moment. Yeah. And they, you know, that's an that's an art right there mm -hmm. do you do you feel like there's a parallel with podcasting too it's like uh if you're co going into an interview like this is going to be great or i'm totally like uh in the moment that those are like the better ones oh for sure yeah, yeah. and i've i've walked into them where you know i just ran in the door five minutes before i was supposed to start recording and i had a lot of shit on my mind and they're not as good and yeah and feel so it. you just have to you have to make sure you make time to do it right. And and the same thing for guests, it, you know, I, I know you've had shitty guests because I've had shitty guests. And, <laughs> and, and when I just walk in and you've told them exactly how the podcast works and what you're going to be covering and stuff like that. And they come in and they don't even know who you are and, and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a couple episodes I didn't put out just because I was so pissed off that they weren't prepared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah they're gonna stay in the can forever but yeah that's you know guesting is hard for me because i always want to host mm, yeah i feel that too <laughs> i feel that i've been on a few recently where people are interviewing me and I, it's almost like it's a different part of my brain working and i'm yeah. like trying not to ask the person interviewing me all the questions yeah. you know yeah you, do you feel like that today as well oh yeah yeah it's yeah. weird no, that's I, awesome I, I, I always want to take over and <laughs> yeah. i was on i was on one it's called uh highbrow drivel and the guy is australian but he lives in uh, london and we hit it off because i interviewed him for my show but uh, he had this hearing expert on. She was basically under, she's a biologist that works on how sound is uh, transmitted in the brain, how the brain perceives sound and how you can change that and stuff like that. Oh, that's she so was, cool. Yeah, and she was brilliant. And I was supposed to be funny. I was supposed to be the yuck yuck guy. And I just totally took over the interview because I'm deaf. I'm, I'm uh, not totally deaf, but I'm like 50% in one ear and, I don't know, 30% in the other. So I wear hearing aids and stuff like that. So I was talking to her about that. But this poor guy, Anthony, that hosts a show, I think he said like two words the whole time. And I was, and I was not being funny. Um, and I was just, I just totally took over. And I'm like, oh, sorry about that. Yeah, that's amazing. I also find like some of my least funnier episodes are when I have comedians on because I have like such a yeah. safe place to talk about just like life in general and yeah. like it almost turns into like a, a mutual like therapy session between like yeah. me and the comedian and that's what I find like super interesting and then maybe after they'll send me an email like oh I'm sorry I wasn't that funny I'm like no that's cool like this is what it's all yeah. about like seeing the real side of people and everything. yeah they really you know you're so spot on comedians when they're not up on stage and they want to talk they they don't want to they don't want to be yeah. fun yeah <laughs> and and you probably like from like a fan of the comedian's perspective it's just like oh yeah this because they only see him on stage you're like oh this guy's probably just funny all the time but yeah that's gotta be exhaust like always be oh, yeah. expected to be on it's like yeah that's they've turned being funny into a job and now i'm yeah. off the clock i'm i'm gonna yep. i'm gonna talk about what makes me sad i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna need a hug here you know 
<laughs> no but yeah it's so cool and like uh i i follow your show now and i get i'm gonna have to go back and binge a ton of these episodes because i just uh i love your vibe scott and uh i just uh like from hearing like little snippets of what you talk about too it's just what i like to intake throughout my day as like i'm binging podcasts and everything yeah yeah it's so many podcasts so little time it's yeah <laughs> yeah i I don't know if you do this, but I, what I do is I will like binge one podcast for a while and then I'll put that one away and I'll go to the next one and do that rather than just jump around between things. So that, mm -hmm. you know, if I've got a stack of episodes that I know I can dig into, then I'll do it that way. Yeah. I, I do something similar too. And it's almost like I have so many different interests i can't even keep up with all the ones i follow and oh, yeah. like the people i like i love and stuff. even like my friends like like a lot of my friends who are musicians and like comedians too um i'm genuinely like fans of yeah and like i can't go to every show every night as well right. and it's it's yeah. hard to like uh juggle uh which one like you're gonna choose and yeah but but then like 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 you mentioned i notice i'll get in like a certain flow like going back to the podcast where i'll just click on one i'm like oh i really like the vibe of these people today and then i'll yeah. turn into like five episodes later yeah. and just gotta sink in that energy or whatever it is yeah and there's there's really i the amount, like you said, the amount of people who do three episodes and out is, is huge. And there are also just a lot of shitty podcasts out there that just don't go anywhere. And I've listened, I've been a guest on a couple of them. Uh, and, <laughs> but but yeah. those, those are always there, but there's also a lot of really, really good ones from independent podcasters. And I'm always looking for those. And there's, that's that's what's tough because there's only 24 hours in a day and yeah <laughs> when you're stuck when you're stuck in the groove of doing your own podcast it's hard to make time for other podcasts but yeah mm -hmm. it's i do really appreciate some of the really really good ones that uh that are out there and like yours you, you know, oh, I, I appreciate that. some of your episodes when we got acquainted and i like it Oh, uh, thank you so much. And yeah, I like what you're doing too. Mutual fans. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And so we've talked about the podcast. Where can people find uh, Behind the Bits? It's on all the apps. Just type in Behind the Bits and you'll see the blue logo with the comedy and tragedy mask. And then you can smash that subscribe button. And uh, yeah. you, can also, <laughs> you can also go to the website and get everything. It's the btbpc.com and because behind the bits was taken and it was going to cost me a couple grand to buy it so there's nothing there somebody just owns it oh, but, uh, shit. yeah so that's the btbpc.com and then I, i've all my social media you can get through the website awesome and yeah like uh every to let people know every episode uh of these of uh, creative imbalance podcasts they are on our website as well creativeimbalance.com and we're going to put links to all of Scott's stuff on there as well. So go around, click them, follow him on everything. And yeah, <laughs> I just want to thank you so much for your time today. This was such a, a fun talk. Yeah, it was really great to meet you for reals. Thanks a lot, Sean. Thanks once again to Scott Curtis for coming on the podcast. And like we mentioned, his show Behind the Bits, you can listen to it everywhere. I got it on my Spotify. Type it in, Google it, follow it on instagram wherever you can to keep track of when his next episodes are and i had so much fun talking to him and hope we can do it again down the road someday and before we take off i need to give a special thanks to all you legends out there on the patreon oh my god i appreciate you so much first up a big thanks to the co-producer of the show jeremy hopkin of hopkin design Ola Mazuka of Sonic Fold, Ryan Watkins of Ryan Radio, Amanda McKnight of Top 10 Nerd, Pat Maloney, Ryan Campbell, Daniel Sun, Devin Staple, Mike Ulio, Jenny Potter, Jared Pepper Bronstein, aka Mr. Spicy, oh my god, he's so hot, and Francis Coffer, aka my mom. And if you at home also want to shout out at the end of each and every one of these episodes, 
and you want to help me out, you can go over to patreon.com slash the creative imbalance. I believe the lowest tier is only $3 and you get all these episodes early in my unconditional love. And you can probably even hit me up if you need something, need somebody to talk to, you want me to kill a man, just let me know. I'll be there. But you gotta sign up to patreon.com slash the creative imbalance. And yeah, and like I mentioned, every cent goes back into the show and every cent helps. So thank you all. We got a lot of great episodes coming around the corner and I will catch you next time. Cheers.